Hello and welcome to Inside Modular, the podcast of commercial modular construction brought to you by the Modular Building Institute. With a compact footprint, variety of unit options, and seamless system management, city multi-variable refrigerant flow zoning systems from Mitsubishi Electric Train, HVAC US are a one-stop solution for modular projects. With efficient operation and the ability to connect to commercial ventilation equipment, third-party systems, and comprehensive control solutions, City Multi VRF can help you meet energy and performance goals on your next project. From off-site development to on-site assembly, you can trust our manufacturer-level support to guide you from system selection to design to startup, no matter the application. To learn more about our offerings, visit MitsubishiPro.com. Welcome, everyone. My name is John McMullen, and I'm the Marketing Director here at MBI. Today, I'm joined by Gary Badge and Manny LaMarche of FK Architecture. Gary and Manny have returned to talk about how FK has incorporated modular into their overall portfolio and about their new efforts to design more sustainable modular structures. Gary and Manny, welcome back. Thank you, John. Hi, John. Good Thanks. to be back. So since there's two of you, let's um, uh, introduce yourself so everyone knows your voices. I'm Gary Badge, Managing Principal at FK Architecture. And uh, I'm Manny LaMarche, a senior designer at FK Architecture. Excellent. So you guys uh, have been on the podcast before. Uh, catch us up on the past 10 months. What's been going on at FK Arch- Architecture? A new name, for one thing. Sure, absolutely. It's been, it's been super busy, super crazy. Um, we unveiled the new logo, as you mentioned, and the new brand. It's been, it's been very successful. It's been an eye-opening process, a lot involved with it. Uh, it's exciting. It's gotten us into new endeavors that we didn't even know existed. We've got lots of compliments. Our clients, our friends uh, have complimented us on refreshing our look and image, and we've attracted a lot of new attention, especially with our social media platforms, our website. So that, that's been, uh, it's been pretty fun, and it's been part of our whole whole means and methods of diversifying and, and getting into new markets and just expanding what FK is about. Well, that's awesome. Well, props to your marketing people. I know that a rebrand takes a lot of work, so. It sure does. And we, we did it all in-house, too, so that that's, was even more challenging. But Fair we've got enough. a lot of great people here, and, uh, you know, we thank them. Uh, so how have you and your colleagues at FK made the transition to modular design? I know when we talked... Uh, late last year, you guys were just getting going. Uh, has it been a smooth process? So uh, so far, so good, but it's lower than Gary would like, I think. <laughs> um, lately, it would seem uh, as if the, there is a greater awareness um, about modular technology, and we have been approached uh, to investigate adapting current products to uh, modular applications. Uh, our most current uh, modular effort involves uh, repositioning a tiny house concept that we had prepared for a uh, large resort developer uh, into a boutique hospitality product incorporating modular components. Um, this effort is unique in that we have been tasked with uh, coming up with a hybrid solution, uh, bridging on, uh, on-site and off-site uh, technologies, as well as a potential implementation of prefabricated components that would plug and play into the uh, finished product. So at FK Architecture, we continue to explore how best to adapt our traditional way of thinking about building design to achieve greater efficiencies and uh, tangible value uh, to products that uh, we design and build. 
Well, that's awesome. I, I want to come back to, to some of those specifics. I have a more general question uh, to start off with, though. Since you guys are, have done traditional architecture for a long time and have just now begun to incorporate modular, I was wondering if you could speak to uh, the, the design process and how it differs between traditional and, and modular. What are the inherent challenges to each? When we examine the big picture of technological evolution, we may notice that the human experience is always in a constant flux. There was a time when uh, you needed a key to open a door. Today, you may use your mobile phone to achieve that goal. Just like the world of electronic innovations, modular technologies have been around for a long time. As it relates to residential products, it has been at least 100 years since the first modular and prefabrication ideas were floated around. And as we can see, it is fast approaching its prime time. The constant pursuit of greater efficiencies in both project cost and resource management tends to drive innovative thinking. Thus, economics is ever present in everything we do. There is always a fine balance between acceptable quality and the cost of a particular design solution. So, as we continue our explorations of modular technologies and have in-depth conversations with builders and investors, we are starting to notice an evolution in our way of thinking about these things, as well as a greater sophistication in the understanding of this modular field by individuals in the more traditional on-site construction industry. That said, I would suggest that the greatest difference between designing for on-site versus off-site construction is the mental process of judiciously pulling apart the individual building blocks from the building as a whole. Thinking in terms of functional compartments or modules reminds me of the bubble diagrams we used to do while conceptualizing a building during the initial stages of the design process, except that in the off-site universe, those bubbles retain their structural integrity as part of a total modular product that by design must travel to its final destination. At FK Architecture, we see only advantages with the implementation of modular thinking and technological strategies in order to deliver higher quality for the money to the markets we serve. So speaking of these contemporary methods, the, the evolving technologies that you've alluded to, uh, I was wondering if you could speak specifically to modular design. What are the potential benefits, not only for designers, but, but of the projects themselves? Well, there's been a few guys that I've spoken to recently, and I think the benefits is how we organize the project and become more efficient. Modular itself is about efficiency, it's about repetition, it's about quality control, sustainability. So all those things are playing into how we're doing our documentation, how we discuss things. Our contracting team, they're still learning. You know, we're, we're over here on the Eastern Seaboard where we haven't done uh, a lot of, we haven't seen a lot of modular, so not a lot is going on, so they're, they're still trying to catch up, but it's a more organized conversation, and, and there's a method to the madness. When, like Manny said, when you had everybody in the room from the onset of the design process, you're getting, you're getting the scope out early, you're getting everybody's questions early, division of disciplines and who's responsible for what is getting done early, and that all plays into how, how the fabrication 
ends up at the end of the day. So it, it's pretty helpful. It's pretty unique. Uh, it differs from how we do a conventional project because you don't always have everybody in the room at the beginning of the project. You know, we, we try to do kickoff meetings. We try to get everybody going. But at that time, it, it's still there's something left out or something that drags on. And with modular, you got to impress that you got to have these questions answered early on, mm -hmm. you know. And so we're exploring ways that we could even have more flexibility. So that, that's kind of the difference for me. And uh, I think it is uh, very interesting as we speak with um, uh, builders, you know, that uh, are the guys who have to deal with all the challenges of, you know, uh, information that uh, doesn't show up on the drawings or is misinterpreted by uh, subcontractors. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting to see how they I start to understand and speak about uh, the possibilities of uh, modular thinking and fabrication to bring efficiencies to the, to the products that they do or even altering the very foundation of the product they do, you yeah. know? Well, one of the big things they're talking about, too, is, is labor. You know, the quality of the labor, the labor shortage. I mean, that, that's in every industry. That is something a, that we've been hearing all over from all clients and all sectors. And, you know, the last three conversations with contractors have been specifically, you know, how, how can I overcome my, my labor deficiencies? And they feel having the controlled modular environment is going to be an answer to that problem. And, you know, the waste material, that's another thing that they talk about, you know, mm -hmm. uh, how many mistakes are made, how, how much uh, extra material they have to buy, and the cost of materials are out of control these days. So they're trying to be efficient. They're trying to still deliver the project on time, on budget. And, you know, it's a good product, you know, mm -hmm. that people are proud of, and it's going to stand up for a long time. So modular is helping bring that awareness to everybody. It really is. And mm -hmm. uh, it's weird because... The discussions come up so much recently, whether it's because we're engaging uh, that deliverable more or people are just catching wind of it, but it's definitely been talked about a lot. And in the last 10 months, uh, we've had a lot of discussions, so I'm feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, and these are people that have been doing the same on-site type work for decades. Yeah, for decades. Yeah. And in many instances, they are the ones that somehow they get a, you know, they, they know that Gary has been talking and there is a, maybe they listen to the podcast or, or swung by the, you know, uh, Institute website and, and they ask, you know, it's like, it's no longer a, um, a secret. It's something that's, uh, it's becoming, Hey, I'd like to learn more. Right. How can I use this technology to do better? Yeah. That's the question everybody's asking. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about the efficiencies that that modular brings to the table the the, the less waste that's generated uh it, it goes back to a point you were making earlier about sustainability um really all of these factor into sustainability and, and i was wondering why you find that to be so important how do you define sustainability when you're talking uh to contractors when you're designing products um i'm, I'm curious uh how how you define that term well we're introducing it more and more Okay, there was a movement uh, years back with the Green Building Council and you know, everybody getting LEED certified, LEED accredited, pioneering everybody to, you know, save the planet kind of a thing. And from, a, from my standpoint, and it's my own 
personal opinion. I don't think it went in the direction that made a whole lot of sense. You know, it, it became something that was a specialty kind of a group. It, it cost some time and some money to be involved and engaged in it. Lots of developers and contractors, they, they didn't catch on because it, it was it wasn't part of their cost analysis. You know, it, was, it cost more to be sustainable. And sustainable to me is to be respectful of your environment, to work within your environment. You know, the world is, is not uh, a place that we can neglect and that's all we've done as a species, in my opinion. Uh, there's symposiums every day, there's, there's news every day about, uh, you know, weather events and catastrophic things that are out of our control, uh, temperatures and sea levels and everything like that. And, you know, we're running out of land. We've got more people. There's got to be a better way to integrate our existence with our canvas and the, and the world Earth. That's our canvas. That's what we live in. And if we can't integrate with it and we just keep recreating it and having our own agenda, well, it's going to spit us out, you know, like like we're a virus, you know, just just like the COVID's doing to us. <laughs> I mean, the, the the world is doing that back, you know. It's like I got to rid myself of this, uh, and it's it's a challenge. And to get people to understand it is hard because it takes a certain kind of mindset. It takes the ability to adapt to change, and people don't gravitate towards change naturally, you know. Uh, last week, I was at the lodging conference, and I gave a, a speech with um, some fellow panelists about this same very topic. And, you know, I talked about how modular could, could benefit and could be, you know, part of the solution for how we can integrate with the environment better, how, how we can have less impact on how we're doing things and building construction practices and it, it is, it, it's, it's evident, you know, because you're, you're building in a controlled environment, so your carbon footprint's smaller. You're able to control the amount of material that you're building with and how many cuts it takes if you're doing wood or steel, you know, and how you're putting things together is done more systematically than in the field. And because of that, you have less waste, you need less materials, and i.e. you're not impacting the environment as much. You're also doing your site development. During that phase, there's, there's less disturbance of it. There's less, you're not on site 14 months. You know, you're on site to do your initial area development, and then when a period of time, your modules arrive, and within a few weeks, you've got the project up and running, and, and you know, you're getting your CO and you're out of the door. So conventionally, though, You've got machinery running a lot. You've got disturbance of the land. You've got noise pollution. I mean, your emissions are not controlled like in a factory environment. So it's really important to me, and I guess it hasn't, it hasn't always been. Now, I've, I've adapted to change because just flying in and out of Orlando here, I've seen – we used to have a lot of trees, and now we don't have so many trees, but we have an awful lot of people, awful lot of building. And our, our state is an easy target for, for building and construction because we don't have mountainous terrains or anything to overcome that's challenging from that standpoint. It's pretty flat. It's easy to build on. But I think we're going to be 
we're going to be quickly realizing that we have to do things differently because it's not going to last forever. And you might not be thinking about yourself today, but you got to be thinking about your children and your children's children and everybody else for years to come and how they're going to use the environment. And whatever practices we do today will set the precedent for tomorrow. So uh, you, you touched on this just now, but I wanted to revisit it just quickly. How do you quantify your sustainability efforts when you're talking to clients? What what metrics do you use to help a project become more sustainable? Well, I think I rely mostly on the uh, MEP engineers uh, to talk about that in terms of the life cycle cost analysis. You know, your initial costs are probably not going to be seen, but your long-term costs are going to be seen. You know, if you're using solar energy or more efficient kinds of energy instead of, uh, you know, using the, the split system condensing unit farm, for instance, you know, you're going to see that you're using less energy over time and therefore you're spending less money on energy. Uh, you know, when we talk about just the building materials themselves, you know, we talk about how we're doing with wood, wood, for instance. We do, we have a lot of clients that want to do wood construction, you know, which, you know, is a, if done right, you can replenish the forest, but we've got so much building going on, I don't know that we are doing a good job with, with that. So we talk about, you know, how can we design the building in a way that uses less material, you know, so that, that's a way to quantify. And less material in turn talks about cost. And that is always a topic of discussion with anybody that we're engaged with. You know, what, what's, what's it going to cost? How much is it going to cost? Budget, budget, budget. And, and unfortunately, I think sustainability, whether we're talking about quantifying it or whether we're just talking about it in general, it, it needs to be thought of a little bit differently. You know, it, it's about the survival of our species and survival of us. You know, and when we're doing a project, that's affecting that, especially new construction, because most of what we're doing in our in our world is new construction. You know, we try to promote uh, clients to look at repositioning existing buildings, and we try to find sites where their project might work for that. Because we do a lot of planning as well, so we're at the forefront of the project with the owners and when they're searching out for land, and we say, hey, you know, maybe you could do this differently. You know, maybe you don't have to clear 60 acres. Maybe maybe you can do, you know, less acreage uh, and get more units. But, you know, there's many hurdles with that, right? Because we also have to deal with the jurisdiction and codes require certain things. So you got to you got to educate everybody. You know? It's not any one entity that has to be some educated. Everybody has to be. And the only way that that works is by talking about it, by collaborating, by sharing, by you know getting out there, having discussions like we're having today, and, and just seeking people's interest so that they're paying attention. So are there any specific suggestions that when you're talking with other designers or, or new designers, people who are learning the craft, what, what suggestions do you have for them when they're looking to create more sustainable structures? Well, I think one of the ways that we're doing it is we write sustainable material product methods into the specifications, right? So once it becomes part of that, it, it's sort of a gospel. Not everybody follows it, and there's always a bidding and negotiating point, but 
you know, if you're getting it in there early and, and you're shooting for, you know, the maximum amount of things that you want in a project early, chances are you might be able to save them by the time you're done being it and going through the process. So that's, that's one way that we're doing it. What we've noticed is that not too long ago, uh, when you talked about sustainability, sustainable strategies, it was, there was this general understanding there, I guess the general public, that uh, you might be a tree hogger. Right? right? Yeah. And I think yeah, that, I think that in the last few years with the flooding uh, in Europe, mudslides, the fires in California, more people are understanding that something is happening to, to the environment. You know, and it's not just uh, a normal course of, you know, just nature doing its thing. There, there, clearly, there is some type of influence that we are, you know, injecting into the equation. And, uh, and that starts to uh, make people think, I believe, in, well, perhaps we need to reevaluate the way we do things. So when that relates to back to the building industry, you know, um, that's what I see that a, a, a certain curiosity from what you may consider traditional builders, uh, opening their minds to exploring other alternatives. And the, at the forefront of that is, uh, modular design and fabrication. Especially when you start looking into it and they see that, oh, you do this in a, in a controlled environment. You have greater quality control. So in the factory, there is ability to better manage resources. You know, so indirectly, you start to apply, uh, green thinking into, you know, how you can make more money. The, the ultimate effect is, you know, if I don't have to spend that much more and get a an equal or better product, why not do it? Right. And, and, and so that's a natural way into modular uh, thinking and, and publication and planning. Right. So so specs and then introduce in the discussion about modular, a different deliverable altogether. Yeah. Those are ways that we're uh, educating and starting conversations with uh, other design professionals and developers to, you know, consider, you know, sustainability. Yeah, because the, the then sustainability equates to economy in fabrication, economy in, uh, you know, savings for, for the builder, for the developer, uh, way beyond just saving the planet. It's more tangible, I think. That they, uh, they lost the right. of saving the planet. That's what always happens. Yeah. You gotta show them, you know, what, what's tangible. What can they put their hands on today that they understand? Cause they may not understand tomorrow. They may not understand, well, you know, I'm not gonna have a blue sky forever, you know, mm -hmm. or Florida is gonna become a, a sandbar at the point of Orlando and the rest of it yeah. is gonna be gone because the sea level grows. You know, I mean, it's real life issues that, you know, people neglect because you know, if it doesn't affect me, then I don't care. Right. You know, I don't. It doesn't bother me. And 
is it coming out of my pocket? No, so I don't I don't necessarily uh, think about it. And uh, you know, our core business is hospitality and entertainment. It's hard to entertain and be hospitable when the world around you is on fire or hmm, yes. are wiping out towns and <laughs> you know. So I mean, that's adventurous. So yeah, that's a different kind of different kind of adventures, right? So I think it makes sense uh, for for everyone who is involved in uh, sustainable practices, uh, both on the construction side and on the planning side and the money making side, to uh, you know respect the planet and, and and respect nature and and use it use it intelligently. And I think that um, modular construction is. It's always a, you know, when we have the conversation, it just gravitates to that. So I can do better by, by changing the way I think about how I, put, how I build the building. Right. Well, this is a good uh, uh, segue. A lot of this conversation has been about sustainability, using less materials. Manny mentioned uh, exploring new ways to build. And I want to go back to one of the uh, topics you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, you guys mentioned that you were working on a, a, a tiny home concept, and I was wondering if you could expand on that, sort of you know, define that for people who aren't as familiar, and tell us about what you're doing. Sure thing. We're currently tasked with developing a concept package for a tiny house idea we had originally created for a separate development. This time around, the market demand is for a bit larger footprint to be rolled out in a completely different geographic location and with a different demographic profile. I would say that the most peculiar aspect of this effort is that our client's strategy demands a hybrid kit of parts that would be factory-made here in America, then shipped to site using conventional flatbed trucks for on-site assembly. We are now in the initial stages of defining this concept, and so far, it has been well-received. Uh, this hybrid model, with a combination of on-site and off-site strategies, appears to be a good scheme to introduce modular thinking in those regions where on-site construction is currently the dominant industry, but where developers and builders show increasing curiosity about modular technology. Another no less important finding is the keen interest shown by traditional manufacturers of uh, products destined for the on-site market and who are curious about adapting such products for off-site implementation. So we're witnessing this interesting phenomenon of cross-pollination of knowledge and skills among construction-related industries, always with the aim of doing something more efficiently, more economically, or uh, faster from idea to market, while better managing waste and quality control. We remain hopeful that an increasing number of our long-term projects will slowly but surely transition to off-site type developments as owners realize the extraordinary benefits that modular construction brings to the table. Yeah, the, the client in particular that Manny is talking about, they saw a need. The need spoke to them. Uh, they've been wanting to do uh, something different for a while. Uh, the client happens to be a builder as well, and he, he wants to take this product uh, mainstream. And the need is for more affordable house solutions, and that seems to be prevalent nationwide. Mm -hmm. now, in our own backyard, our mayor said, 
by the end of my term, I hope to have 11,000 affordable housing units uh, developed because you know, we, we've, we've got this greater need and it's growing every day. So by looking to the modular industry, this particular client said, well, there's a way I want to do it and there's a way I've got to sell the idea to the people that I'm working with. You know, he's looking at public-private partnerships to get this thing uh, executed. And when you're doing that, you got to sell the idea. And in order to sell the idea, he's thinking, well, what, what are some of the key challenges in modular construction today? And, you know, we've identified through our discussions that it's not an, an infallible process, right? It has a lot of merit, a lot of promise, and people are doing it successfully, and that's what we're trying to educate everyone on. But there are some inherent things that come up that, you know, the other side argues, well, I can, I can fix that in a conventional setting. So if you want to make some changes later in life, you know, something happens where something doesn't get, uh, aligned where it necessarily needs to be. And, you know, how, how can I, how can I make that modification without it costing the entire project? You know, whether it's for the duration or, you know, the, the success and, and build, buildableness of it. So what he's done is he said, well, what about like a hybrid solution? You know, why can't we analyze and develop part, you know, partial things that are, are modules, a, a plug and play, a kit of parts that we can put on truck, bring to the site and erect with a couple of guys in, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, the way that he was seeing it was, okay, well, I can deliver one tiny home or two tiny homes, three tiny homes you know, at a clip, and I've got to get more trucks uh, to do it. I've got all those logistical concerns. So he's looking at it from a whole solution standpoint. You know, how, how can I reduce my uh, delivery by putting more units on a single truck at a time instead of doing a bunch of individual ones? And, and how can I overcome the logistics of, you know, I need this trucking industry, that trucking industry, or, or whoever they're sourcing. And, and so that became kind of a motivator. You know, if I, we, and I guess, you know, in a weird way, we talked about IKEA, you know, and IKEA puts, all, you know, you put all your furniture together, it's sort of modular, it's not the best, but, you know, the way that it comes packaged, the way that you could be delivering it, you can deliver many units at a time instead of one at a time. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that he wanted to overcome. So that's that's one thing that we're looking at. And that's that's unique because our initial studies were full-on, fully developed modules. It, you know, it was a whole unit. It's an apartment setting. Uh, so it wanted to be finished and delivered and cranes and all that. So this this is different. This is this is a kit of parts that could be done uh, quickly with the same uh, labor force that the, that they're thinking of using. Because uh, again, as we said earlier, labor is an issue, uh, skilled labor is an issue. So if you don't have to have uh, a specialty crew putting something together, you've got a better advantage and you're in a better position to build with this type of deliverable. So that's something that I think is prevalent in the discussion that we weren't initially thinking about and it's altering the design to the point where we're looking well how how do we then do sub modules you know how can we continue with this and do kitchens and baths and you know we still don't want to have to be 
doing a lot of conventional on-site construction, you know, how can we still implement other modular practices and get this thing to work and to unfold? So those those challenges, those set the criteria are, are setting us up differently for this for this project type. And you know, we're just we're just you know scraping the tip of the iceberg now. With this. You know, we're all, we're starting to talk to different people. There's a lot of people in the industry that we're we're talking to about, you know, how are they able to help us? Whether they're manufacturers of SF&E, millwork case bid, um, or there's something like uh, the SurePod. You know, SurePod was at the Logic Conference last year or last week, and they're they're actually here in Orlando. You know, and they do they do those uh, pods for bathrooms and kitchens and stuff. So, um, you know, it's just unique. So uh, I think that what we're learning is that um, depending on the market segment, there is certain strategies that work better than others. For example, when we started, we started with apartments. Right. And the conversion from on-site to off-site modular technology with apartments. And that seems to be the best approach. But this tiny house component is for a boutique type resort and maybe the finalization system with the bash modular component is the more appropriate for for that particular market in this case it was in texas somewhere right. and so and uh and it was a true hybrid system where about half the building is finalized and then there are components like the master bathroom that will come directly fully assembled Right. In a factory, and it would be just a plug-and-play oh, type right. component. Yeah. So, but it's, it's, it's for the four housing thing too. You know, that, yeah. as I said, it's not just here in, in Florida. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's a nationwide issue. And you know, as we were talking earlier, you know, you got different geographic regions. Yeah. You know, it might not even be possible to supply a fully developed module uh, apartment or tiny home because of the terrain. Yeah. But you could. Bring a kit of parts up there, just as you would conventionally, except you've got the majority of the projects already already built. Mm-hmm. So those are the kinds of things that we're forward thinking. Uh, you know, it's 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 different. It, it's it's trying to take what's out there and perfect it and use it in a way that uh, satisfies a lot of challenges. Well, I think it's a great concept, uh, uh, particularly for affordable housing. That's a theme that's been popping up regularly, not only on this podcast, but across the industry. Um, a huge need for affordable housing coast to coast. Uh, this sounds like a, a great solution uh, to help alleviate you know, at least some of it, uh, particularly in, in Florida and places where, where I know there's a need. Switching gears just a, a little bit, with this idea that you guys are are, are helping to pioneer and, and all the other efforts that you guys have been making recently. Uh, FK has been making quite a splash lately. Uh, your name is out. Uh, you've been in our magazine, Modular Advantage. Uh, you, this is your second podcast. Uh, I, I heard you did some work with Habitat for Humanity down in Orlando. Um, well, congratulations, first of all. Second, i am got my fingers crossed. Are you guys going to be at World of Modular in April? Absolutely. We, we plan on being there and we plan on continuing discussions uh, with the Institute. Uh, it's been a, it's been a great success, lots of networking, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. This, this past year was interesting with the way it was dealt with, with COVID, but we, you know, we got a lot of mileage out of that. And I think being in person is going to be even more successful. 
Well, excellent. I'm glad to hear that. Um, Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, well, I just uh, want to thank you guys for your time. This has been a fantastic discussion. Uh, I know there's a lot in store in terms of uh, sustainability practices and benefits of modular that have yet to be really fully realized by the industry. Um, appreciate your time today. I hope we can do it again. Yeah, it's our pleasure. We, we, we love talking. So Good thank you, Joe, for having us. Yeah, we'd love to do it again. Sure. Well, my name is John McMullen, and this has been another episode of Inside Modular, the podcast of commercial modular construction. Until next time.